and welcome to What's Past This Podcast. I'm Steve. I'm James. I'm Damien. And I'm Robert. And on today's episode, we have a special guest. Uh, his name is Matt Smith. He is a technician from Theatre Cluid. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Uh, thanks for joining us, Matt. And uh, if you enjoy the episode, why not like, comment and subscribe to the channel? And if you're listening to us on any other platform, please hit that follow button. But something I've got to note is that James is telling Matt to hit the subscribe button and not everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if yeah. you the listeners out there enjoy that, yeah, you get it. <laughs> that intro is going so well until James does. Yeah, I know. Hey, that's the quickest we've ever done it, lads. Mm. Not bad. Yeah. <laughs> Not saying much, though, is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So, welcome, Matt. I hope you realise what you've let yourself in for <laughs> at this point. <laughs> I think I realised what I let myself in for four years ago, <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> <laughs> I started. What, what happened four years ago? Uh, I started as an apprentice at uh, Theatre Cluid, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> it's been going pretty <clears throat> interestingly ever since, but it's been of good fun, that's for sure. So how how did you get into that world? Like, what what was your had you had you always been into theatre, or what what was your motivation for that? Yeah, I started getting into theatre around two thousand and eight when I went to go and see Joseph at the Adelphi in London. Um, then I joined my youth group Panto for my one and only appearance on stage in any sort of form. Um, <laughs> I didn't enjoy it, and I wanted to go and play with all the tech technical stuff instead and then it just sort of developed through secondary school uh, then going to college to study BTEC in uh, production arts so it's all just sort of snowballed you could say <laughs> into something that got quite out of hand quite quickly <laughs> it's um I think from the perspective of like someone who is mostly on stage there's a uh well I mean obviously me and do, Damien do technical stuff as well but there's so we're sort of in the gap but i think for actors they quite often see the technical people as being these kind of um magicians sort of magicians, magicians but also sort of miserable <laughs> that look in the shadows and complain the whole time um, i mean i do that i, I admit <laughs> I, mean, I do that the second yeah. half yes not magicians no but the second bit yes <laughs> I, I, i'm definitely one of the moody guys who were who hang around in the background when i was there being tech that's even Aladdin. on stage as well yeah, to be fair. <laughs> wow. To be fair, you're not, it's not far off the typical stereotype of that. <laughs> uh, I, I did some um uh, I did some work experience a couple of years ago at Theatre College where I was I was doing tech stuff and the the um the the, the techs that I worked with that week were they, they were very nice but they also did sort of slightly fit into the uh the archetype. And uh <laughs> The first thing the guy told me um, was, he, he said, I f- hate being called a techie. I'm not a techie, I'm a technician. Does anyone like that ring a bell for you, Matt? A few, <laughs> definitely a few. <laughs> um, quite a lot of the technicians are still there, even from when I did my work experience there in 2014. So 
Yeah, I would definitely be able to guess a few names from that. <laughs> <laughs> so how did it start for you then, like as an apprentice? What was your kind of job like at that to start with? So I was apprentice for the Wales Millennium Centre uh, based at Theatre Cluid. Um, and it was an interesting time. It was a one-year apprenticeship and what the, had full training. So I did ABTT, which is the British Association of Theatre Technicians. Um, I did my bronze award with them. I did um, portable appliance testing training and a competency test with it. Also, and uh, what else did I do? And um, rigging, a rigging course with one of the best riggers in the UK called Chris Higgs. Chris did uh, take that progress tour oh, with the oh, big oh, right. mechanical man and uh, basically said to health and safety how to do it and how it's safe and all of that stuff. And that was a brilliant time, especially that I got to work home. I'm darling during the apprenticeship oh. for its original production. Nice. So I, and that was just an unbelievable experience. I, we didn't, didn't get to see that, but it was um, we we went on a tour around the National Theatre when it was in, and we saw the the set and everything. And yeah, it was kind of strange to think, oh, this is it's in the centre of London, but that's come here from you know from from Theatre Cluid. Really cool. Yeah, I remember working on it. It was really hard because the National do it differently to how we do it at Theatre Cluid. So we'll have a week of tech at the theatre, then we'll have three shows, three, four shows of previews from the Friday to Tuesday, from to Monday. And then we'll do press and then the production starts. But the National will have one full week of tech dedicated, then a full week of previews and then press night. So it was pretty tough because even during the previews, you're coming in at like 10 in the morning after finishing at 10 at night the previous day going through every single scene again just fine-tuning those elements but the experience that i got from just that production alone was amazing and i once we did the get out for it to go down to the dorfman and the national theater i thought i'd never see that show again lo and behold a week later my manager comes to me saying that i've been invited to go down to the national to see it there so that was a wow. two days of uh, just adrenaline rushing. I couldn't sleep. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was awake all night before traveling down because I was just so excited to go to the, the National Theatre and experience the show being in there and finally getting to watch it after seeing it from back, backstage for mm. a, a month. So. Mm -hmm. Was that How a completely different experience? Oh, exactly what I was going to ask. Then. <laughs> what was the question? Yeah, how was it different from uh, how how is it um, different watching it as an audience member to being behind the scenes? Being behind the scenes on Home I'm Darling, especially during its first run, anyway, was pretty chaotic, especially on a double show day, because everything was pretty much genuine. Uh, so we had proper food on the show, so everything had to be cooked in the pre-show. Um, about an hour, if I recall, before the show went up, put in, put into its places on the set, 
And then as everything came off, it had to be washed, dried, and then reset for the next show. So if, during the double show days at Theatre Cluid, uh, I was doing all the resets and things of the crockery and um, consumables. So as the show was going on and the, all these were coming off, they were getting washed, reset, and then put into places where it can just go straight back on after the show. So we're not messing around while we're men while uh, we're all on break, or should be all on break, <laughs> and it just made it flow a lot easier. But with watching it from the house, you would never know that you have like f- four people going around in the crossovers and stuff, setting props, taking them away, and relocating them to a different place to be used again, or being uh, disposed of and it it's just a it was a marvelous show to be part of and great to watch so it's the kind of thing you never think about isn't it really you never if you're in the audience you never think oh there must be someone who's having to like prepare the food that's being eaten on stage you know yeah beforehand i still have my uh, cue list somewhere from that show on my google drive so i might try and dig that out <laughs> have a lot of cue lists somewhere. <laughs> it'll be a nice yeah. reminder for you oh it is i was but the annoying part is when you're a tech techie watching a, a technician watching a show and you've been part of that show you can't enjoy it as much because i was sat there going at this point in the show i was doing this <laughs> or this happens at this point so it does kind of ruin it yeah but yeah. still it was a marvelous show do you find like when you're watching a show, do you, do you find yourself like if, if, if you haven't done like the tech side of that sh- show that you're watching, do you find like you're criticizing that show? Like, oh, I should, uh, no, uh, they should have done, done this better. Then. Done this better yeah. If that question makes sense. <laughs> hmm. I don't criticize a sh- show. I go, I sometimes go, oh, that was, you know, done really well. Or maybe this could have just been mm. better though. It's very rare that I go, that wasn't really good. Mm-hmm. Um, though I do sit there and watch everything on the technical side yeah. more than the actual <laughs> show itself. Yeah. So I find myself looking around the auditorium going, where's that light coming from? All <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I'll be honest. I've, I've only had half a year as an apprenticeship and then I kind of quit. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but I still, I, now, I still find myself look uh, when I watch any show, um, be it online, Wow, I haven't seen one in person really, but uh, I find myself doing. I find myself when I watch shows online, criticizing the lights. <laughs> so that's that's me. So it's not. So you're you're not quite like that then. No, there's all. Even as uh, someone who does a bit of design, you will always find that a designer will never be a hundred percent happy with their show. Mm. They'll mm. go. Yeah. They'll be happy at press night because it's all done. And then they'll go back and watch it at some point and they'll go, only if I could have done this here. Mm. And it'll all, they'll always try to tweak something if you get the chat, if you give them the chance to. <laughs> well, you see, uh, that's what we've been doing throughout Aladdin, haven't we, James, really? Um, and and oh, the yeah. previous shows as well. Every um, we, we, write na- we write down some notes and then we're like, oh, I think the thunder needs to the, the the light effects for the thunder needs to be a tiny bit more 
sl- uh, slower or a tiny bit more uh, seconds left until it goes off. Or, yeah. or certain night needs to be on at exact certain time. Or off, in some cases. Because we do, uh, <laughs> the, the way we do it, because we, you know, obviously in the, the Accelerator Centre at Hollyhead, it's a small venue and it's quite limited and they have only one technician for everything. So we kind of discovered, uh, actually, when, I learned this when I was at Theatre Cloyd, um, with QLab, you know, you can program in all your sound and all your light and have everything mm. timed exactly so you only have to have one operator to press the button and lights and sound and everything happens yeah know, precisely where you want it to be as well yeah but it takes a lot you know obviously a lot of setting up and we, we did spend a, me and damien did spend a very long time doing that but it's a lot of fun when you when you set it up and you you press the button mm. and the the thunder and the lightning happen at the same time and it's <laughs> like, like oh, it's me, i remember me and you being up at the balcony just just on our own trying to sort out all the light <laughs> and every time every time we, it was just how we like it we're like yes get in <laughs> <laughs> such a great great yeah really mm. really lovely like yeah oh, yeah Oh, that's what you were doing up there. I wondered what all the fun was. <laughs> <laughs> Out of context, yeah, get in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talking about like pressing buttons when you programmed everything. Um, you know, from from the point, uh, my point of view, who who I who doesn't know anything about you know the technical side of stuff. Um, have you ever like programmed something uh, and you pressed a button like on the night? And it like doesn't work, or something's gone wrong, or just just that's a, that's a pretty good question. I've just come off Curtain Up, mm. which was in the Amblin Williams, and I've done, and I had the opportunity to actually go and program it mm. for three weeks, which is the first full theatre club production I actually programmed on, and um, we're getting tired. It's on we're week three, so I'm already done about a hundred hours work wow. <laughs> over two weeks and the designer tells me to go on to a break and he'll continue programming to, to go and put these buttons in which we had to go in up and down stage on left and right and I come back for the pre-show put it into its preset and everything was going fine until we got to this blackout queue and because of how the, these buttons were set up, where they're done in cells, so you have a master intensity and a cell intensity, and they can both work differently. So as we were going into this blackout queue over a three-second fade, the master intensity was going down, but the cell intensity on the buttons were going up. So as this overheads were getting darker, as it hits zero, these buttons either side of stage are full intensity. And then it just snaps to black and we're like, what is going on here? <laughs> and um, it just, that's where we found out it was cross-fading on these intensities. So oh. happily, it was only a quick fix. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was thinking, what is going on? <laughs> the designer did apologize mm-hmm. for not forgetting to check. But mm-hmm. oh, it was it was so funny in the control box because <laughs> we're like, what? <laughs> Go, on, Go on, Steve. You were saying something. I was going to say, uh, yeah, we uh, going back to Damien's mate. 
Uh, we've had a couple of issues with him at one time. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Damien, but didn't he um, unplug the master laptop to put his phone on charge and then the laptop died? <laughs> I was going to say that myself, actually, Steve, as well, but I'm glad you said was it. That, was that yeah. right, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, all the music was being played off the laptop and our, our good friend decided to, uh, to uh, at the very beginning of the show, take the power out of the laptop, put his phone on charge, so the battery died. From the, in the middle of a song, in yeah. the middle of a performance. So, yeah. And my scene is the very next scene, so uh, so I, was, I knew something went wrong. So I had to run around the whole uh, the whole Echelda Center just to get upstairs, mm-hmm. just so the audience don't see that I'm doing it. Mm. I realised exactly what the problem was. Mm. I'm thinking, what a numpty! Mm. And that's my PG term for it. Yeah. What a this is a this is a family friendly podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But um, yeah, it, the the laptop was completely dead. It taken about two minutes for the laptop to load up, mm. and and then they had a great idea to press play on the song again, so the song started all over again. Yep. <laughs> so whoever it was on stage was had to James. sing again. Yeah, it was me it was and James. It was me. Yeah, I got I got like two thirds of the way through the song and then had to redo the entire. <laughs> we, dream, we dream of having a tech week. We have a we get a. T- a tech day and that's yeah. about as much as we can hope mm. for you know yeah. yeah well with these mistakes like it's it, maybe not with the music cutting out halfway through but with uh, minor mistakes it's it's lucky that like the audience doesn't know the script mm. or doesn't know when uh, lights are supposed to come on or go off or whatever so you know they might think that if some, if you know something's going wrong uh, the audience might think oh it's nothing has gone wrong because they yeah. don't know what's actually supposed to happen so if you can Rob that's all, all I can say though is there are some things that it's completely obvious oh yeah wrong. Yes. yeah that's this yeah. incident oh yeah this incident with our dear friend for example yeah yeah is a great one. yeah that's uh, I, that's I probably guess the incident that Matt said earlier is a good example as well it sounds like another one. good example as well yeah that's why I said like minor mistakes and maybe not with the music curtain out <laughs> halfway through um <laughs> but uh-uh. yeah, with as I said, with minor mistakes, uh, they probably won't know us. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> one other one that ha- one other one that happened. Um, yeah, this was our previous one. Is, uh, I think there was four of us supposed to be ghosts in the darkness, just with a torch showing light. Uh, I don't know what exactly happened, but. It wasn't in darkness. Lights, <laughs> oh, yeah. The house lights are in fact, it was in f- full full house lights and everything. It was supposed to yeah. be a blackout. And yeah. They- oh, and um, the director of that production told our good old dear friend uh, that he was doing everything wrong. The whole production was in black. The ghost scene, the scene that we actually yeah, need darkness, it. was yep. all the lights turned on. Yeah. All of them oh. turned on to max. I remember oh. two occasions on Panto. My first ever panto was Sleeping Beauty in 2017, and we just did we just did the intro. We got to the first song, and we do a celebration, and all we could hear is da 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 da, da and the, then the comical sound of a power down as a power <laughs> cut happens. So it, I, I can't recreate it in my head, but it's just that sound of. <laughs> and I was in the pit because I was on traps and I was mm. just sat there in the dark going, well, this is fun. 
Um, how many performances have, didn't you do like like 40 performances or something ludicrous well, of your panto? We, Jack and a Beanstalk, I think we were doing 65. 65? We were, in a, wow. we were somewhere around uh, mid 50s to mid 60s. That was what I can recall from it. Wow. It's a very intensive, but it's also really fun. I think the most we've ever done was about 20 performances. Mm. Yeah. And that's yeah. it. And by the time you get to the end of that 20, it's like, you know, you've lost all sense of, mm. you know, it's completely exhausted. I can't imagine 65 performances. To be fair, one of the things that uh, the Theatre Glue have done well is that it's always a good team. So what it feels like is that on a, on the panto, it feels like a family. So yeah. you always, we always enjoy going in, and it's always sad on the last one. Oh yeah, um, definitely always sad on the last one for us as well. So but it's then fair. it's a sense of yes, we've done it. Oh yeah, yeah. True. It's we have the same sense of thank God that it's out the way, especially especially Christmas week, because for from start the week running up to Christmas to Boxing Day, it's all double show days. So you spend a lot more time in a theatre than at home. So it's just really draining. But it's just so... There's something about pantomime, which is just so much fun to be on and to be a part of. And it's I've, I'll always sign up to a pantomime, especially at the Theatre Cluid. Hmm. The thing is, because we, we always have so much, like, it, it gives us lots of opportunity to play around you know do kind of experimental things like yeah. technically as well and i don't know if you find that with with panto theater cloid that it gives you opportunity to do all sorts of crazy over the top things well well i was speaking to the production manager um and she said one of the things you'll be able to see with, with panto is the evolution of the technology coming in so it pretty much used to be like all tungsten lighting um at the start of the tens and then gradually over the years we've gone towards LED, especially with um sort of level of pixel mapping and stuff as well. And it's as the market for LEDs starts to become a bit cheaper, all theatres that don't have much of a budget can just start to pull in all those advantages of it. So, you know, not having to have hundreds of lanterns with hundreds of different gels in them. A, is a really good perk and I think one of the benefits would be um, effects with LEDs um, mm. just what you can do with them, colour changes rapid flashes of colours and different stuff, just to make it a lot more energetic and just pulls you in a bit more with the uh, what into that show in that little mystical world that opens up for about two two and a half hours yeah we, i mean we did like when we did aladdin it was like we you know we were programming the lighting and it was with uh you know with the the, the technician and um and he and it was like oh yeah can we have a, a like a red spotlight just on that that point on the stage he was like we could just do it with with the leds i think we did like mm-hmm. probably 80 percent of it was just with the leds and if, even though there's only like four of them we just hardly had to use the main like analog lighting as uh, apart know, from whatever. apart from the main lights on the stage that is apart from the front of house lights 
Oh yeah, that's but... pretty much almost permanently on unless we need them off. <laughs> but it's you could do yeah. It's like it's, it was immediately obvious like how much you can do with LED lights that you just can't do with you know with uh, I, normal ones. I gotta say it's similar to what Matt was saying earlier, but. Oh, shut up, hair refreshener. I've got to say, similar to what we were saying, uh, what Matt was saying earlier, um, uh, with with um, what we've been doing with QLab, I feel like that's a new, ge- we brought in a new generation idea of lighting in the Akhaldra Centre. As in, um, I, what, we've been do- what we've been doing feels so new. Like it's all, yeah. and it's always snappy and it's always consistent. Whereas in yeah. in the past, it's always up for debate, basically. Yeah, I think in a small theatre like that, there's, you know, obviously a lot of the people that are doing shows there are older and they they have this very old-fashioned view of like, oh, you, you know, you 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 uh, have uh, three lighting states on faders and you push a fader up and then to do a blackout, you pull the fader down and press the next fader up and... and and then the if there's any sound effects, you know, you I don't know, you play it on a CD or something like that, or you, you know, and and so to for us to like figure out, um, oh, you know, you can do all these things, you can have all these, you know, crazy lighting things, and you can have things in sync and the press of a button. It was just yeah, I think it was it was like pe- people are like. Wow, you can you can do that. That's incredible. <laughs> so words, it's just nothing at this point. We're just like, yeah, we just add it to this list, and it's fine. It does it on its own. <laughs> I was wondering, Matt, though, if if there are any particular um, productions you've worked on uh, theatre code that that stick out that you're particularly fond of, either for because of what the show was, or just for you know reasons like what what you got to do on that show or anything like that. Mold riots was an interesting one. With it being an outdoor production, um, it was <laughs> that was more intensive than Home I'm Down. Let's be fair, um, because the tech week was pretty much for me nine a.m. till eleven p.m. So getting everything, getting all the kit out the theatre to the location, setting it up, making sure it works, doing the tech in the evening and then packing it all away and taking it back to the theatre um, but it was just s- s- so different to not be in a room but actually moving around mould which is what we did so it'd be in front of HSBC I think then we moved to the farmer's market for the mine scene and then it's to Gerard's for another scene and it was just so interesting to work and also it's technically difficult because we're trying to get show power to a place where there is no power at all pretty much so the senior LX for us was working with contractors in mould on where we can get power from what street lights could be turned off which had to be done by them as well as where can we just pull power from the uh, mains around mould. So <laughs> it was great, but it was cold. And on a, on a Friday, it rained heavily all day. And the two options was cancel a show 
was set up in the church, which is where we did our last scene. It was about two o'clock when we we shown up at ten on a Friday. It was two o'clock by the time we actually had a plan on what to do in the church, and it was pretty difficult because you've got to try and put the show together in a place where it's not been rehearsed to actually be in that space and also trying to get all the technical aspects to work so i'm using the lighting desk that i was using that i'm photoed with and it's all preset and because of the show being in multiple locations they're on all different show files so it's the first time i've had to sort of plan plan out and merge all the files together without having an issues where something would overwrite other palettes which the led will reference from and sometimes if you merge it a certain way the palettes lock themselves out for some reason and you can never use them again which is an interesting feature i found but it was just really good fun mm-hmm. and how how well did that last scene go in uh in an uh, location that you uh, never rehearsed before. The it the Friday one yeah. went actually quite well. Oh, good. Um, so we had about an hour to practice on how to oh, do. God. I think we had about an hour, two hours practice on how to <laughs> move around, how to set up the scene, and do all the blocking, as well as relight the whole thing. Um. So it's one of those things, it's where theatre is organised chaos. Mm. (laughs) But always in the end, it will always work out to be seamless. If you you saw a setup for the show in the church, you would have gone, no way this is working. (laughs) But but, um, once people started coming in and the atmosphere started to be developed, you would never have known that we had about two hours to redo the show mm-hmm. for lighting and blocking. I think I was actually there still putting out lights while the audience was arriving, these little <laughs> LED battery lights to give to people wow. for the for this last scene. So yeah, it's it was it's always a miracle mm. theatre. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As long as you have that commitment to do something and do it well you'll always succeed mm-hmm. well i suppose when you think of like how many different aspects there are to putting a show on like it's, it's a miracle that things don't often go you know wrong go more wrong mm. it's especially with technologies like as you're saying uh, lightning states can now change at a simple push of the button but it takes a lot of hours now to do that push of a button to ensure that it does what it's meant to do yeah. and not throw any surprises. Uh, moving lights, uh, mm. lights that move in terms of colour or pan and tilt can really throw people off as well who are not prepared to use them because they could. You can rotate it whatever direction you want on a moving head. But if you have it set up the wrong way, it's going to go anywhere it wants in between cues. <laughs> Which I have done, and it is quite embarrassing. 
And someone goes, what is that doing? It's like, <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I remember, uh, yeah, I remember that exact same, you know, programming the lights and the, the, the technicians going, why is that moving light? Why is that not? Why is it doing that? <laughs> why? Why is it still moving when when it shouldn't be? And you mm. know all that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, as long as the as long as the audience sort of enjoys it and and says that you know at the end of the night, like you know that was really good. Uh, you know whatever. Um, then yeah. you know you've done a really good job. And when mistakes and uh, unexpected location. Yeah, you know, changes happen, you know, uh, and then you have to set up re- really quickly somewhere else. So, you know, whatever the situation is, um, you know, you can put it down to experience. Um, so yeah, so you know, it's good that these things happen because then you can you can learn from them and you know do it better each time. Yeah, I think one of the shows you that got cancelled because of covid was project hush and that was in rhythmuin if i recall if i pronounced it correctly as well which is the site where they did the um which is a military defense site where it was like i think it was mustard gas as well as uh the start of the atom where they started the atom project with the tube alloys project oh, right. okay. uh, yeah there's a lot of secrets in mold that people don't know about um and it, when i learned about to uh, the river moon where all the scientists were and stuff for tube alloys i was blown away because it's like i'm only so 30 minutes 30 minutes to drive away from this it's a bit of history and i never knew it was there so I didn't didn't know that it's, either. Yeah. I've been there so many times and I haven't even didn't even know that. I've only been to no. so many times. It's one of the ways, best ways to actually, I guess, learn about local history and history of the region is through theatre sometimes, and and just getting picking up accounts of people and putting those into a show, and seeing how it all works out. Mold riots was pretty much that. I had a little tour around mold around all these sites and including the train station the railway station which is now a tesco <laughs> in typical tradition of <laughs> preserving history so. turn it into a weather spoons <laughs> like the uh the old theater in landed no which is it's now a weather spoons yeah. Uh, yeah i've only just been told of that so it's beautiful in it's beautiful in there apart from the fact that it's a weather spoon but it's <laughs> James they've still got the, the balcony there? and everything I did used to work there Damien oh yeah. right I, I'd almost forgotten <laughs> I, I, I didn't I didn't know you used to work there <laughs> yeah I didn't Great. know that either um, the two shows that I've seen at Theatre Club recently I don't know if you were involved in either of them I saw um, oh, going back a year well a couple of years obviously but um I uh, saw the 39 Steps there in um, Emlyn Williams Theatre. Yep. Um, um, and Lord of the Flies was the other one. Yeah, I was kind of involved with both of those. Um, I So I was the fit-up crew for it and for Blighting. 
and it was um, very interesting. Lord of the Flies for focusing the lighting was very interesting with how the stage was. <laughs> Having a ladder on a slope stage is pretty interesting at the best of times. Yeah. So trying to get the telescope up there was even more interesting. Um, and um, 39 steps, I was doing its pre-rig for all lighting. So I did pretty much everything under supervision because that was right at the end of my apprenticeship. So I was pretty much given the plan and just left to sort of put everything where it is, put all the colours in and stuff, uh, set up all the move the movers that were being toured in with it. So it's pretty pretty good fun, those two shows. Um That's- they're both great fun. Uh, first, um, not so nice apps. Uh, Lord of the Flies was um, a absolutely superb production. It was so good. Mm. Um, it's sound, yeah. lighting, and set was great, but I didn't really rate the show beyond that. Okay. Um, I think it just could have been done a bit better on um, okay for its performance side. Though a f- fun thing was is that the smoke machine which was in front of the iron and the iron line on the four stage had a leak and no one oh. knew about it so it looked great with this small amount of uh, haze that came out the hole but they realized it was leaking into the case while it was on tour to the sherman i think it was and they fixed it and then they cut it because it was producing so much smoke <laughs> they couldn't <laughs> see the four stage. <laughs> so uh, that was something that was quickly learned. A smoke machine does not make a good fire. <laughs> and the reason why it was a smoke machine on the four stage and not the fire like that was on up on the upstage side is because with it being in front of the safety curtain or the iron, um, it wasn't judged as being safe for it that to be an actual fire. Oh, okay. Because if the fire if the fire got a bit out of control on the upstage, they could bring the iron in and be dealt yeah. with safely. But with it being in front of the iron, it just wasn't safe enough. You'd have to get people out there quite quickly <laughs> with a fire extinguisher with it. And with it being in the auditorium, it was just yeah. too far too hazardous, is what I remember it being, because I was asking about all those questions so I could write up on it for an apprenticeship paper. So it's all all interesting, health and safety fun backstage. <laughs> and um, 39 Steps was, I, that was a touring production, wasn't it? There was, I saw that in the West End a couple of years before as well, although I believe it's a different production but that was quite fun and they're doing i i just got this in the post um like a couple of days ago hand of the baskervilles which i might go and see which i believe is a similar style of production i think if you're involved in that at all i think that's in the main and without looking it sort of rings a bell well we got missing julie now setting up in william emily williams so it's definitely in the main house um uh, I think I've been penciled in for it as a precaution. Um, it's after I finish at the theatre. So 
uh, so I've, my, I'm contracted until the 19th, which is what I requested. And then I have one week to pack up and I go to university on the, on that on the Saturday um, after I finish. So it's going to be, but I've been sort of penciled in, I believe. But when's that on, James? Um, 21st to the 25th of this month. Oh, right. Cool. Hi. My manager was asking, it's like, you definitely go to university on a Saturday, do you? It's like, yes, I am <laughs> definitely going to university on a Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> I am not going to be here and I'm not delaying it because it's going to be a pain if I do. Speaking of university, what's it you're going there to do? So I am going to study BA Honours Light and Design uh, at Rose Bruford College. Oh, yeah. uh, I applied... A year ago now, I think it would actually be a year to the day, if not three days ago, where um, UCAS actually said, go and apply. And uh, with it being on furlough over 2020, I had the time to properly go do up an application in good time, get a reference from my manager and put in all the stuff before my chaotic period of work returns <laughs> with um, doing the decant of the theatre as well as some shows in between so with the theatre club coming up to redevelopment now which everyone is pretty much looking forward to because it's very very long overdue um, we need to get stuff out, sold given to charity or skipped if not, if it's not being put into storage, and that has been going on for the last year now, which has been interesting because you go, you find things. It's like, why do we have this? Yeah. And it's like, oh, this is really handy. You know, we could use this on X show. Why has it been missing for the last sixteen years? <laughs> Um, I have managed to get myself a theatre lantern from it that was being thrown out. Oh, nice. Um, and that's now an LED. <laughs> so it's yeah. currently, can, well, it's, the plan is for that to light up my uni, um, my uh, room in university. So. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. So what do you hope to do in the future? Well, obviously, I guess you hope to be a lighting designer in the future. What's the, what's the sort of trajectory of that? Um, so I quite like to go and do um, musicals, um, go and light and design on musicals. Hopefully, I'd like to go come back to Theatre Cluid, do some light in there, especially on the rock and roll pantomimes, because they are absolutely amazing fun to work. But also do some light in programming, um, because even though it's very stressful, programming and lighting sometimes because there's just so much pressure on the odd occasion especially that lighting is usually the last team to finish it's just an unbelievable experience and I think the best bit is um, looking back is that you don't really need an official qualification to do it as long as you have the passion to, of theatre or and lighting or whatever area you sort of enjoy that you want to go into, 
and proving that you are willing to learn and you can do uh, adapt to what you need to do you will get you'll get anywhere in the industry um and i learned that having had two gcses on the time i was leaving st joseph to my secondary school in wrexham um which i had a c in welsh and a c in music so i could sing welsh songs mm-hmm. and um having gone from that to doing three weeks of curtain up as a programmer and going on to university it's just been there's some remarkable experience which has proven that i don't need um what i've been told from secondary school because i was told i'd never use a computer properly so i found that uh pretty in <laughs> pretty interesting especially yeah. when that teacher was dragged up to, onto stage on one of the pantos <laughs> <laughs> sat in the front row <laughs> never sit on the front row and it's like getting dragged up onto stage mm-hmm. i love little petty revenges or little say so little told you so yeah yeah I, be- I bet that felt real really good like i proved you wrong sort of thing I was I was the lighting operator in the duty uh, lighting <laughs> on that show, so I was sat up in the control box and went, "Oh, the guy," because I can only see the back of their heads. It's like the guy he's talking to almost looks like my secondary school teacher. Got up and it's like it is my secondary school. Teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Try and put me into detention this time. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> thing is though, thing is though, at that point, you run the you at that point you you on you run the place, so you can kick him out. <laughs> nah, <it's up. laughs> I don't get that privilege. Though <laughs> uh, so it was great being in a bar later and just going saying to the dame, it's like, I think di- revenge is a dis- dish best served cold because you were picking on my secondary school teacher, and I was having the best time of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh, has there uh, been anything, uh, whether it's, it's like at the beginning of like when you started to be a technician or, you know, at, at, at any point, um, been something that's, that's uh, put you off from doing it? Um, or has it just been like, yeah, I really 100% want to continue on doing this? It's the hours. Hours. The, okay. It's definitely um an anti-social job mm. so if you really love having a social life outside the work mm. being in theater is really really tough mm-hmm. so curtain up i averaged 52 hours over f- three weeks so when you combine that mm. it's a lot of hours mm. yeah <laughs> um, and that is pretty much what it's like being in the theatre you do have the benefits of have pretty much if you get a good company around you it's having another family like I said on when I was working on the pantos but it's just one of the things that make you question you know why am I here I could do x job and it pays better and has more sociable working hours Hmm. but you just never get that 
that adrenaline rush of being on a show, putting something in, problem solving, and just having a really good time. And that's what I've really enjoyed, even though sometimes I've sat in my car going, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. It's just something where once it's gone, like in 2020, I was doing so, running up to the lockdown, I was doing so much work, so many hours on different mm-hmm. things. And then it all just stopped. And I was like, I just want to go back to it. Mm. and just been clawing away at my computer until I got the call saying uh, can you come back please we've got some more work for you mm. mm-hmm. and oh, it was all thumbs up from there yeah how how often does the work come through like do you find that there's like long periods of time where you have no work at all or is it more or less continuous or um it it depends on what's happening so during the su- summer season you tend to get a bit less work as mm. theater mostly closes for maintenance mm-hmm. um and during christmas you'll during the christmas times i always get asked can you do panto mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that's um a good three two three months work pretty much covered there mm-hmm. um but as of once i when i was starting off the work was really sparse completing the apprenticeship um it was like is there going to be work isn't there going to be work mm-hmm. and then as my experience built up i just started getting more and more calls saying we got this on we've got that on mm-hmm. uh, can you come and do this and then it was the same for this year. I was getting the odd call, but nothing solid mm. until July, where I said, where they said, we got some staff that needs covering. Can you come up and uh, do work until you need to head off to university? You'll be contracted uh, throughout that period. So we got some security of your hours, and you've got securities on actually getting some work and that's worked out well so far but it's always looking around that's what you need to do mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay and the and, and the times where you got like no work at all um do you do something else to fill that time in like any anything part-time or do you find like the pay that you get is enough to have a break so it depends on what work I've done right. up to my last day. Mm-hmm. So one of the hard parts in theatre is always a get out on a touring show. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're there sat on a Saturday doing nothing during the day and then you're in the theatre 10 o'clock at night through to sometimes 6 in the morning oh. take put loading a show onto a truck. And if you can get just a good few Saturdays like that, you're getting paid quite well because okay. get out at back to fall rate is about £41 an hour, £42 oh, wow. an hour. Yeah, oh, nice. Wow. nice. So I have done it and I have done a day with Theatre Clued when I was a casual um, where I did that 
for 13 hours in one day. So that mm. pretty much put me off. That pretty much had me done for the next month mm. with all the other work I had. Mm -hmm. So I could take a break in October. Mm -hmm. That was. But sometimes it's you're there going, right, I need to try and find another part-time job to fill in mm -hmm. these mm -hmm. gaps. It's depends on where you, you are in the area as well. So I'm from the north northeast Wales. Mm -hmm. Um so I can go to Story House and got the Clued and I've got a few other venues sort of in travel range. But it's like where you are in north west Wales. The work isn't as much there sometimes. So you have venue Cymru in Llandudno. But you have to travel quite far to get a bit more sustainable work, if I recall, mm. in a in a as a technician anyway in theatre. Mm. I, I remember yeah. you talking. I remember me and you talking about this before, and um, you gave you gave me a link to Venue Cymru or or did you call it either or? Cloyd. And I was thinking, no, I can't travel that far. <laughs> yeah, a, a, I can't travel that far. B, I won't be able to do the work because of my because of my disability. I won't be able to climb up ladders, basically. Uh -huh. <laughs> So uh, everything I do is is either on the ground or in the uh, in the tech booth. To be to be fair, one of the great things about the industry now we've been so inclusive in health and safety wise is that you don't always need to be going up a ladder. Mm. Um, people with disabilities are encouraged if they can to come and work in the industry so in our theater we have the story of the one-armed flyman uh, <laughs> where we did have a flyman who was born with a defect in his one of his arms and he would be actively flying shows back in the day in like the 80s and he would have all the all the flying bars perfectly balanced so he could do it all with one arm Wait, good question my stupidity what's a what's a fly bar <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> A fly bar. Something we wish we had. <laughs> so, I don't know what it is. It's scenery. What? It's scenery. Oh! Uh, so you, it's like overhead. It's what you put to equipment on scenery pieces, cloths, flats. Yeah, yeah I know. Lighting. Yeah, I think yeah. that in one of the theatres here on Flagamony. In, uh, in And it goes, goes overhead. Yeah. Very hard yeah. to work, but. They have them in Theatre Park in Flagamony. Well, did you go to Theatre Vach? I've done a panto there, yes. <laughs> <laughs> have I not mentioned that before? <laughs> no, I don't think you have, Stephen. <laughs> Being a flyman is one hell of a skill. That's for sure. A good flyman will hit, have tabs hit the floor at the end, of, at, right on the beat. And it's it's strange that you'd, you'd think something like that nowadays would just be sort of computerised, wouldn't you? But it's still there's still someone actually there doing that job. Yeah. In the redevelopment talks, when they were just throwing ideas for what to do at the theatre, I think an automated fly system in the Anthony Hopkins did come up and it was swiftly put down. Not just because it's expensive in certain ways, Having a f having a fly uh, system with a flyman is one hell of a skill. Okay, it's old tech. It's steel cables and rope, pretty much. But it's just something that you cannot 
pay for an experience sometime. And to be able to say, we have um, a really skilled flyman like we do at the theater, at the theater. Um, it's a bit sometimes like, you know, an automated system. I can have all these fancy bits. They can all do these old fancy flying stuff, but they'll never hit the floor at the beat. Yeah. They'll never hit just right. And that puts more pressure onto the deputy stage manager calling the show on trying to get it right then. Whereas the conductor can be speeding up or slowing down. So there's just too many variables. Hmm. Yeah, of course. I remember actually seeing, you know, because obviously like with our shows, we don't have the the space or the budget for a live band, so everything's on backing tracks. And so when we're programming a show, we can program all these, you know, lights and sounds uh, specifically to the beat because we're using backing tracks. It's the same every time. But I remember when I was there at Theatre Code, another one of the technicians whose name I can't remember, um, but he was he was showing me how he'd been doing the, the microphones for, I think it was little shop of horrors. And he had a, he had a little thing set up to demonstrate it for me. And he, he was, it was like a recording of the show with all the, the microphone feeds on channels. And he was like doing this as it went through, just tap dancing on the, on the microphone buttons, you know? And it was like, mm. just, just a mate, an amazing skill to watch just someone like, Oh, the, these three people are about to sing now. Okay, switch those microphones on. Okay, switch that one off and switch back on again. And then switch that. And it was just like, you know, such an amazing skill to have. I think I can put a name to it. I think his, his name is Wills. He's the... Yeah. Yeah, he's the sound, senior sound at the theatre. And to watch him sort of mix a show together with live singing, live instruments is just something... That's another thing. I think tested as well with Adam Savage. I had a look at Hamilton, the musical, mixing that. It's just a skill, and it's a skill that sometimes companies will pay a good price for. And as always, the best way to learn is by making it a mistake and messing it up completely, <laughs> um, uh, which has happened with one of the guys who was learning on how to mix a show because you can't rehearse the job when once a production's in the full swing you either do it or you don't <laughs> so yeah. you've got no choice but to have to learn it all on the go you can have some practice but nothing beats doing it live when it all matters because you are just switched on and of course, the thing is, when you see a, a West End, well, not a West End specifically, but if you go to the West End and you see a production, if there's a live band, it tends to be like infinitely better than if it's all or mostly MIDI. Like I think Mamma Mia in the West End, I remember seeing that and looking down into the pit and it was like, oh, there's two guys playing keyboards and all the rest of it is just computers. And it just doesn't have that same intensity and almost spontaneity but just like energy of of having an actual live band and obviously that causes uh you know you need someone that's able to tap dance on buttons like that but it is worth it if you can do it because it makes it so much better i think rock and roll pantos is what i work and they're they're good because all live instruments all live singing it's 
sometimes can be quite interesting, especially when they start getting their lines wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You ha- have those nights. Well, it happens anytime, really, on any production. And sometimes, skip a line, it doesn't have much of an effect. You sometimes just skip to the next line where nothing changes. Or you can have this time, which happened two weeks ago, where they skipped an entire page. <laughs> yeah, I've had that happen and then, in shows I've acted in and performed in. Oh, <laughs> more than one occasion. See, we definitely all have. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about Hilda Rep shows. <laughs> when that happened, it was great. It didn't affect me because it jumped into a copy state. So nothing oh, okay. changed in terms of lighting. But for the person who was on the sound, um, <laughs> it sort of jumped all these cues that he had to do. So it had three cues, but each cue sets off a certain ambience. And you just couldn't do it. Otherwise, you'd be cutting off pretty much all the sound that was meant to be in that section. Happily, they did realize after about 10 minutes of confusion that they did skip skip they did skip two pages um, but it's always on on stage it always takes someone to realize and just sometimes say we have skipped pages here it looks it can be a look embarrassing but just admitting that something's not quite right is better than suddenly trying to run around chase your tail going we are in the wrong bit and we don't know what's happened. At least if you're an actor in a panto, you know, so someone said to me once, oh, at least with panto, if you make a mistake, you can literally just make a joke out of it. You can be in character. You can be like, oh, I've forgotten my line or something. And mm. which, yeah. you, you know, obviously you can't do in if you're playing Hamlet or something. <laughs> I really think we need to tell Matt about the incident with Pinocchio falling asleep. Oh, <laughs> oh <to be> Pinocchio <laughs> Basically, Matt, um, the actress who was playing Pinocchio decided, I'm going to fall asleep on this very hard surface. On the stage. On the stage, on, on the, the back of the stage. Yeah, on the revolve, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, and I'm not going to go and join my... Uh, I'm not going to go into that scene where I'm supposed to be there. So I there I was with, my, uh, with our dear friend Freya, um, just doing a Punch and Judy uh, bit. And then Pinocchio was supposed to come in. <laughs> so uh, so Pinocchio was supposed to come in behind me and scare me. Yeah. Nothing happened. So I, so I looked, at, looked at prayer, nothing's happening. Boys and girls, do you know someone who's got a long nose? <laughs> Pinocchio! What was that, boys and girls? They were screaming Pinocchio. <laughs> they were screaming. Deafeningly screaming. It's and just, she still didn't wake, wake up. up. <laughs> and then when the stage revolved around so the audience can see her, <laughs> she was still asleep. <laughs> uh, there was something that happened on a panto. I, it wasn't one that I worked. But it was one of those things where one of the guys was working on the fast traps but also had some stage cues as well to go and push some scenery around. And he one of the guys just stood at the monitor in the wings and went, I've not seen this bit before. And then <laughs> this bit, the sequence happened, and then suddenly the trap came up and he went, oh no, it's my cue. <laughs> he completely missed his cue. And it's like, oh, it happens though. 
I have been pulled into a scene change that I wasn't part of because one of the guys did fall asleep. Someone <laughs> did fall asleep and didn't show up for their queue. So that was a that was fun when I was on the stage for Streetcar Named Desire. <laughs> uh, you would never have noticed on stage, but in the one minute leading up to the scene change, just like right, this is how we're going to do it. <laughs> uh, it's um. There's a lot of stories sometimes, and there's oh, always yeah. a rule: is what hap- what happens on the comms stays on comms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was a show I did at university, um, like a drama drama society show, and the the um, the uh, it was before the show started, but the 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 house was open, and so there was like you know, quite a few people in, and the show started, I think, with the tabs open, so it was you could see everything on stage, and um, the director for some reason walked across the stage before the show started to like sort something out and um the dsm was on the <laughs> um had the headset on and, and hadn't realized that he had uh he, <laughs> y- you could hear him in the green room uh and he and he went <laughs> he, everyone heard him in the green room he, he saw the director walk, walk past and he went what are you doing f- off <laughs> everyone <heard. laughs> um Oh. Yeah, that's quite, so many, uh, well, so many stories. And that. Well, gone with the fan, family friendliness then. Great. What's past this podcast? Rated R. No, this is series two. It's a completely different show. Now. Yeah, it's a rated. It's a rated R series. <laughs> series two um, after that. Then there was. <laughs> of course, there was the the panto where I was playing the dame, and I did, had a costume change. Oh, yeah. and I forgot to put my wig back on before I went back on stage, <laughs> and got about five minutes through the scene before I realised that I was just wearing like a, a bald cap and nothing else. <laughs> no one, had, <laughs> no one had had said or like or looked at me or anything like that. You know, tried to indicate it to me, and I I just kind of casually went like that to check my wig was still on. I went. <laughs> Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> I, I were, even though I was doing a tech for the show, I barely paid attention. So please tell me you've made a joke out of it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I sort of made a joke, and then I went and found a different wig in the dressing room and put that on. And then my next scene, I went on and I went, oh, I've had a new haircut, hairdo. Do you like it? Oh, no, I don't think it's suits you, and you know all that kind of stuff. Mm. And it was just to brush it off. It's all planned. It's all planned. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Aladdin goes wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've had that. It's like, was that meant? Bit, was that meant to happen today? It's like, well, it was meant to happen today, but it ain't happening ever again. <laughs> <laughs> we had to uh, Jack and a beanstalk tech because, of course, we had this giant beanstalk that the cast actors had to go up. Um. They were complaining when the designer wasn't there that we couldn't see the top of the beanstalk in the next scene after the interval. So what they decided to do was get the handle of the brush of this brush, stick some leaves on it and paint it green and <laughs> stick it up the trap. And I went, yeah, it looks all right. We'll see what Adrian thinks of it tonight when he sees it for the first time during the show <laughs> um, on one of the previews. And he, you know, comes up through the trap, this trap door downstage center, cast get out the trap door, and then they close the trap door, and it, 
and it it traps the brush. It traps this tiny little beanstalk. So for about one minute, you could just see them try to get this little beanstalk through the trap door. (laughs) And uh, in notes afterwards, where we all get together, explain what was went well with the show, what didn't go so well, what we need to retech before the press night. And Adrian was like, we are not having that again. (laughs) 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 It has made its one and only appearance. (laughs) <laughs> oh, we had a lantern a parkan go on one show and it, pro- it properly went I'm not sure if I can mention this bit or not but it was a, it was a proper fault with the bubble which was one of the par 62 lamps and it, I was sat in my follow spot position and all I could hear was this crackling and sizzling it's like okay then <laughs> something sounds quite interesting <laughs> and then it just stopped and I went uh, you know might have, it's probably just me there might have been um, some of the heating pipes I'm sat next to and then it was two minutes later this almighty bang happens <laughs> as the as the glass in the front of the parkan separated from the rest of it and just shot into the mesh that was in front of this bubble and it was just a chaos nothing went on the stage safe to say well happy to say because of this mesh but it was just this almighty bang and it sounded like a gunshot went off it was just unbelievable usually with the with a power lamp it's safe to hold you know I can get my hands and I can smack it with my hand and it'll be safe to put in and use with any other sort of theatre lamp so with Source 4s which is quite common in the industry for profiles have a HPL 750 Um, if you put your hand on the glass or even just touch it with your thumb or something uh, it is pretty much unusable because as soon as it comes on it'll bubble up the grease and then it would just go bang. So it was quite a surprise for this lamp just to go. It was a, a manufacturing floor, thank, thank Christ. But oh, it made it made everybody jump. Was it? A, was there a pub? Was it? Was there an audience in? Was it? A... There was an audience in. Yeah. Usually. Um. If it die, if a lamp just goes, it usually just flashes out, and nothing happens. So it's really, really rare. Well, it's rare for a lamp just to go bang, and I've never known a par lamp just to separate from the from the uh, glass and shoot it into uh, the mesh of the power can, which uh, caught all the glass. So. It's uh, I don't even know what the odds would be on that. Probably hundred thousand to one at least in terms of its manufacturing flaws. Because did you have to stop the show? No, um, because we couldn't see anything obvious, and the cast was couldn't see anything obvious. Usually, if there's something dangerous, um, the cast someone will go off stage and say, you know, there's glass on the stage. And then that would be a show stop. 
because we couldn't see where it was or where it came from and the cast some of the cast had a look around the stage and couldn't see anything on stage uh, we continued and we had a check straight after the show to see where it was thankfully it was in a technical place so if anything did come out of it it would have dropped into where pretty much the assembly where I was um, it would have dropped straight onto the floor of the uh, assembly so it wouldn't have gone onto stage but it was a big surprise nightmare Ta-ra! that noise everybody means we've come to the end of another show uh, big thanks to Matt for joining us today thank you Matt Thank you for having me. And if you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to like, comment and subscribe. This podcast is also available on a number of other streaming services. Why not check us out on Spotify? Don't forget to check out the links in the description for our other channels and websites. And on that note, it's a goodbye from Matthew Smith. Goodbye. And it's a goodbye from me. And it's a bye-bye Toodlepip from me. <laughs> and it's a firm sh- handshake and a pat on the back from me and a goodbye from me and to play us out we are going to play another track uh, from our recent film Broken Homecoming hope you enjoy thank you for watching goodbye